It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul on demand, season two, episode 44, with the one and only Toby Keith. When you were, you see me as someone that doesn't get scared by much. Um, when you were diagnosed with cancer, did you get scared? I did. But that's a bridge that you've never crossed before. Cancer is an island in the middle of the ocean. And everybody rides around. They know it's over there, but they go to other islands. They stay away from there. Other people go to those islands. We don't go over there. So hell yeah, I got scared. But I ain't afraid anymore. Hell yeah. So now you're <laughs> back to not being scared of nothing. John Wayne, this son of a bitch. Man, I was kind of nervous for this Toby Keith interview. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully you'll enjoy it as well. And upcoming episodes, make sure you check back in. We got Shenandoah, Walker Hayes, Laney Wilson, Dustin Lynch, Kenny Chesney. So many more artists are going to be coming up on Taste of Country Nights On Demand, part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. The old man ended the People's Choice Awards. Were you nervous at all? No, uh, I was pretty weak that day though. I was, uh, I got, I don't, I had been doing really, really good. And I went to dinner the night before and decided I would try to have a couple glasses of wine. And the next day I was really down and it, it, I shouldn't have done that. I guess I didn't know, but I got really sick and, and, uh, almost missed rehearsal. So I was really weak that night, but I was on chemo and was battling. And uh, it was a it was it was tough, but no, I wasn't nervous. Okay, and uh, the response from everyone was really like overwhelming. What what stood out to you about what people had to say seeing you on TV again? Well, the wonderful part of it was when I did it for the movie three or four years ago, the Mule, Eastwood's deal. Uh, everybody at Warner Brothers wanted to they promoted with a lot of money to for you know for the Oscar. Academy Award. And uh, of course, with the political polarization going on, they're not going to let me and Clint in, but they promoted it anyway. And then, you know, nobody wanted to play it as an old fashioned song and, and it just didn't go. And then Willie cut it on his album, Engelbert Humperdinck, some of the old guys cut it. And then some foreign superstars cut it. And uh, I thought, well, that's what it was meant to be words to live by. And that's just not the way music scene is today, those old type songs. And then when I got to the People's Choice, Rat Clark, the uh, producer, said, you know, I want you to, when Blake does Who's Your Daddy, I want you to do this song. And I was like, that's going to be a real bummer coming out of Who's Your Daddy. And he said, I know, but I think it'll be a special moment to show. And man, was he right. That thing exploded. Um, afterward, people were eager to draw conclusions about why it was so emotional for you. Um, what do you think about that? And like, what did you want to say about people that were well, assuming? I, I think, um, when I wrote it, I was writing it, Clint Eastwood inspired it, but it's like, I was writing Clint's 93 still plays golf every day. So when I wrote it, it was like, I didn't know those in the next few years that I was going to have to be looking those words square in the face, you know? And, and, uh, as much as they're words to live by when you're old, they're just as much words to live by when you're battling a, a fatal, uh, type of disease that can be fatal, you know? So it's like, um, you know, I never knew, I never knew I was going to have to do that. So 
I think with me being out of the public's eye, COVID and fighting cancer two years and really not being uh, out there going, I'm in my 30th year and I'd never taken a year off. So now disappearing three years and then the word hit the street and everybody knowing that what I was battling and then showing up at this deal and singing that song, it just spotlighted the moment and the song so much that when I hit the stage, it was like everybody was wanting to see what's left, you know, what's he got left. And so I had their attention and then you drop that heavy hitting song on them. And it was just a magical moment, you know? Yeah, it was, man. I mean, I mean, it brought me to tears, man. I got to tell you, man, I was sitting there watching it and I, and I can't even watch it now without crying, brother. I'm just being real, man. That was a good moment, man. I've had thousands of people tell me that. Emails, text messages, videos, FaceTimes, uh, in public, face-to-face. They're going, I've had so many guys, even all the girls are going to cry, but I've had so many guys go, dude, I ball my eyes out. But yeah. we didn't design it for that. It just, things that are really, really special just have to happen for a reason. And uh, you can't you can't plan. If you knew how to pull that off every time, you'd plan it that way. Yeah. There was no planning in it. I just showed up and they said, here's what we want you to play. And I really wasn't even thinking nothing about it going into the uh, rehearsal. And we get done the rehearsal and I take my ear monitors out and Rack Clark's coming up the stage, bawling, wiping wet tears. I mean, and going, you SOB, you got me. You got me. <laughs> I'm right on this. This is going to be a great moment tonight. And then I started realizing the impact it could have. And I said, this, this, this may affect a lot of people. And of course it did. How are you feeling today? I feel great today. Um, It takes a while. You have to be the captain of your own ship. And uh, doctors in the medical world are just like any other profession, you know, and you've got a lot of people on these teams doing it. And you just have to dig in and get everybody in the right place, get the right people, and um, pray for the right results. And I, I finally got in in a spot where I'm really comfortable with it. And uh, um, everything's trending really well right now. And I'm not going to let this, you know, define my rest of my life. And uh, if I live to be 100 or or I don't, I'm going – I'm going to go forward and I f- I'm feeling good and I'm off of chemo and I'm rolling. So we're just going business as usual going forward. Hey, uh, they got my video turned off. I don't know if I, I'm trying to turn it on. So I just, uh, I, I don't know if they're listening. I'm trying to turn on, but it says the, okay. Oh, wait, can you try that one more time? I clicked the wrong thing there. Um, okay. The next question is, there we go. Um, is your crystal, uh, is your daughter crystal going to record music again? I don't know. She's, uh, she's raising beautiful babies. I mean, just, she's, she's a mother. She loves to sing, but she loves being a mother and she's so busy with those kids. They are constantly doing something. And when they're asleep, they sleep on top of her. They're just, it's like (laughs) puppies around them. Uh, uh, a dog. They just, they just, uh, worship her. And they're so busy together. She keeps them so busy. But she I heard her saying at an event, um, she's still got the pipe. She can go and she can write. She's just, um, she's getting to the age now where she's just like, 
I did that. That was fun. You know, I had her on the CMA stage with me when she was 17 and she's 35. So it's like, you know, what are you to do? So it's, uh, or she's 30, she may be older than that. Yeah. She's 38, but it's, uh, it's been, you know, she had fun. She was out there. She did the radio interviews. She did all the shows. She wrote song. She's got a song called daddy dance with me. It's one of the most downloaded wedding songs for daddies to dance with their daughter out there. I know you're not going to believe me, but I played that at our wedding. I swear to God. I swear to God we played that at our wedding. You know, she she wrote that and had it ready to go. And uh, the first dance is the groom and the bride, and they danced to uh, Elton John ballad. And then it came Daddy Dance, and all my friends are there. We're in Cabo, beautiful wedding. And I walk out to dance with her, and, and they go, here's your surprise. And she dropped it on me. And I was sitting there crying. I was like, this is terrible. You have just busted me out. Cause it's such a powerful song. And uh, there's still times when I'll hear it. And uh, it, it, it tears me up, but she, she nailed it. And, uh, and it, she's still going, she can still perform. She'll get up and jam with people, but I don't think she's it. She probably won't ever till her kids are grown. Maybe not. She, she won't make it take another run at it. She may write an album at some point. Okay. What are these Vegas uh, shows going to look like? Are they, it sounds like it's going to be a party. What can fans expect? Uh, we're going to come blazing. You know, I don't usually need a rehearsal, but being off COVID and cancer, I, we're going to go to Nashville and do a rehearsal. Be first rehearsal I've done in decades, but um, it, it'll be like riding a bike. I've, we counted them up one day. We were bored. And uh, I think I have over 90 charted billboard singles 31 number one and 50 something top tens and we added them all up and i could play a four and a half hour show (laughs) (laughs) thank god God i thank god i don't have to but uh, (laughs) i did a couple in july i did a couple i've got a roadhouse here i live in norman oklahoma and i had um i've got an old roadhouse out here in the country it's 97 years old that they were tearing down and i bought it cleaned it up put lights in the trees stage out back and a lot of people show up when the weather's good and uh i snuck in down there one night and did friday and saturday unannounced brought my band in i did two three-hour shows well we don't have to do three hours at vegas you know but i just wanted to go three to see if i was tired and i cruised right through it it was like riding a bike you know first night was a little bit uh, do you remember all the words? Second night was just like, let's roll. So okay. that rehearsal get me going, and then we're going to come stomping into Vegas. Are you making plans for 2024 already? Yeah, it's on the board. I haven't heard anything. Um, all my team got together. The guy, Brian O'Connell, promoted me forever, my manager, my agent, all the powers that be um, have gotten together, and they said this is a good time to do something really special and rise from the battlefield kind of stuff, you know? And so they've uh, put this thing together and intricately uh, beat on it for six months and said, hey, and they they know, you know, they know all the lay of the land. And, and things have even changed in the last three years as far as they've got a flex ticket now and all kinds of crazy stuff that go on that, that they had to teach to me that I didn't know. I, I'm 
I was out there and never missed a year till COVID. And, uh, and so that they've got a great plan together and we we built a new set and we're getting the trucks and buses fired up and, uh, we, our plans to go forward. Don't let this stuff define our future. Let's go. I saw that, uh, you said you're not inspired to write very much, uh, new music anymore. Cause you don't think radio will play it. Does that mean you won't cut any more albums? No. Uh, all right. Um, it's just when you get kids and grandkids and you're, this is my 30th year, you're just not as hungry. You don't have a bottom line to hit. You don't have, um, you know, you got other stuff going on in your world that's way more important. And you've written songs your whole life and you know the difference between a good idea and a bad idea. I've written so many songs that when I'm writing for myself, that I know I'm only a great idea away from a great song. But it's hard to take an average idea that you might write every day like we used to. You can do it, but it's more difficult to turn that into a... So I always say it's like a guy bow hunting deer in a stand. And you sit there for 20 years waiting on that one you want to hang on the wall. And you, you'll shoot an 8-point or a 10-point. All of a sudden, an 18-point walks by and you hang him on the wall. The next year, you find yourself sitting there and them 10 points are coming by and you're going, hey, buddy, how you doing today? And you let them walk by. You know what I mean? So when you've had five and six week number ones and and you've written courtesy red, white, and blue and should have been a cowboy and don't let the old man in, all these things you've wanted to write. And and then you got an idea to write today. If it doesn't stick out like those ideas, you're going, eh, I don't know. Yeah. So, you know, I do. My grandkids are coming by to see me. So it's like you just get so much more in your life. You don't have to hit the bottom line. I don't know if it's, it's probably complacence the wrong word, but it's more, you're not as hungry. You're not, yeah. fight, you're not fighting to feed kids and make rent. I got you. Um, you're starting to rack up icon awards, man, with the BMI and the people's choice icon. What do we need to do to get you into the hall of fame? Don't ask me. I don't know how that works. Uh, I didn't, uh, they use the way that you die. Don't they? <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Don't you have to be 85 to get in there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I'm in, you know, I'm in five Hall of Fames. I really, above all of them, the uh, two songwriter Hall of Fames and the BMI icon were the three that, I mean, the People's Choice is wonderful. The Oklahoma Hall of Fame is great. And the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame is great. But, getting in the National Songwriters Hall of Fame and the Worldwide Songwriters Hall of Fame. I would have been a songwriter either way. I would, I just happened, they just happened to accept, wasn't up to me, up to the fans, but they just happened to accept me as an artist. So I had a vehicle to deliver all those songs through. Um, a lot of people in the Hall of Fame that never were really artists. And uh, I happened to be able to just not have to pitch my songs and record them. So, but they didn't know that, you know, I didn't, the one, the one thing I didn't want the CMAs and the music award shows, all that stuff, that, that was just a place to show up and get some, uh, get promoted and, and, and be relevant. Uh, the one, the couple of things I really wanted was to someday stand up there and accept a nomination into the hall of fame as a songwriter. 
Amen. All right. I got one more for you, man. Uh, uh, if you could go back and re-record or change any song from your catalog, which one would it be and why? I can't really say I would change anything or re-record because most of those songs I wrote, 90% of them. And people ask me all the time, what's your, the question I get the most, what's your favorite song you've ever recorded or wrote? They were all like children because I know where I was. They all had their own special place. They were all conceived between these two ears and this melon. And they were, uh, they're all special to me. You know, you, you think about uh, the big monster songs at five or six week number one. Yeah, they were big. But when I wrote them, I worked just as hard on another number one, like Wish I Didn't Know Now, you know, some of those songs, Shouldn't Kiss Me Like This, Is That Blue Moon? Who's That Man? You know, those were songs that um, were number one. They weren't five and six week number ones. You still hear them on the radio, but I know where I was, why they were conceived, and I know how hard I worked on them. So it's, it's really hard to define all that. It's just a great big body of work that I was really blessed um, by the almighty to be able to, to uh, have those skills. Hey man, real quick. I'm sorry. I lied. One more thing, man. When you were, you see me as someone that doesn't get scared by much. Um, when you were diagnosed with cancer, did you get scared? I did, but that's a bridge that you've never crossed before. Cancer is an Island in the middle of the ocean and everybody rides around. They know it's over there, but they go to other islands. They stay away from there. Other people go to those islands. We don't go over there. And uh, when you finally crash on that island, there's a lot of boats over there. And then you find out that half the world is afflicted with act active cancer. And you go, holy cow, they've been working on this for centuries. And, um, and they haven't got this puzzle put together yet. And... Uh, and I just lost an acquaintance. We were playing golf in September of 21 up at the lake house. And my buddy had his college buddy in. And we're all playing golf, having a beer. My buddy goes, this guy never sleeps. And I didn't know him. I didn't know if he'd lost weight or had any. He just, it's the first time I ever met him. Played golf three days with a guy. He had to go play in a cash tournament at Vegas. When he left there, got back to Oklahoma City, and about two weeks later, Lance called me and said, hey, remember that guy you met up the lake? He goes, he, he's got like two weeks to live. He finally went in and got a checkup. He'd up with cancer and sent him home. Lance went and seen him, and he died like 10 days later. So a month later, I get diagnosed. And a month after that, my son's uh, fiance doesn't have a father. And she asked him if I'd walk her down the aisle at my son's wedding. And I'm going, well, if I'm like the last guy, I ain't going to make it. So, hell yeah, I got scared. Thank you, man. Thank you but for answering. But I ain't afraid anymore. Hell yeah. So now you're back <laughs> to not being scared of nothing. No. That's John Wayne, this, John Wayne, this son of a bitch. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, one time you told me that uh, Solo Cups never gave you any money for that song, so I quit using them shits. I just want you to know I still don't use them. <laughs> well, they uh, they told me one time, they said, we got an issue. I said, what? Well, said, we're only selling the red ones. I said, we'll quit making the other colors. 
<laughs> I love it, man. Hey, thank you very much for taking the time, man. We truly appreciate you. You're welcome, brother. Love Legend. that car seat. Love that baby seat in the back, man. That's that's a yeah. Thanks, man. I just went to my daughter's play. <laughs> yeah. That'll get All you. Right, hey, man. that's what you, that, you drive around town. That that'll get you laid. Yeah. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> 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 all right man you have a good all one right. all right see you buddy <laughs> all right let's bring billy dukes in from behind the scenes uh go over this toby keith interview man what's happening Matt, great interview here i know it's kind of a hard topic was there one thing that you wanted to know uh above all else from toby keith yeah i mean yeah thank you very much by the way yes i that that was the big thing i wanted to know you know and uh it's it's it is hard to talk about, but he he's very willing to talk about it, you know, and that's kind of what he's going through right now. So I was a little bit nervous. I was a lot a bit nervous. I was a lot a bit nervous. You know, I didn't know if he'd be like, I don't want to talk about that anymore. You know? Well, it didn't help that your sort of situation for doing this interview was kind of not ideal. Um, oh. The interview time got changed. So what did you what, you ended up doing this? interview like what in like your laundry room or where, where were you <laughs> i had to my four-year-old daughter had a thanksgiving stone soup uh uh mm-hmm. play at preschool that was um over like seven minutes before i had to go outside to the car i had to run out uh from the church to the car and get situated in the car and so I, but i was constantly waiting because like my daughter was like right it, it was already over and they kept coming outside and she i was like oh my god she's gonna say something and knock on the window so yeah i was i man. was out in front of a preschool man I've, I've been there before where you're just trying to shoehorn in something really important in an interview or something in between like a kid's performance or dinner time or everybody having to leave it's like a stress that like no one knows about <laughs> yeah it's it's so weird because i'm sitting in a church watching all these little kids you know dressed as turkeys and i'm like i'm like in seven minutes i'm gonna be talking to toby keith this is crazy to me i gotta run out to the parking lot and hopefully yeah. nobody bothers me you know and like it was i had to there's so many things i had to make sure that my phone and my car didn't turn on car play and then go through bluetooth so i had like a window halfway rolled down because i was hot sitting in the car waiting on toby keith and then when he was ready i was afraid to turn the car back on to roll the window up because i thought it would connect to bluetooth and then it would mess everything <laughs> it was it was a mess toby I wasn't sure how open he'd be to be talking about the cancer, and the, and the reason is is he had there hasn't really been a a wide reaching sort of explanation or getting his story. You know, like how did he feel when he was diagnosed? Um, taking through some of the treatment, where is he specifically at with treatment nowadays? Like, I think these are questions that were all pretty fair to ask. It wasn't too personal, and he certainly could dodge around it, and you wouldn't ask a follow-up. But I didn't feel like – I felt like everybody kind of – we just got, like, little sips of how he's doing, so you couldn't get a full picture of it. Um, but, but you were able to, I think, get the first really full picture of how Toby's doing and, like, the whole cancer journey for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was um... – 
it was weird because at the end, I was like, I'm glad I dove back in because I was like, ah, oh, man, I forgot mm-hmm. like this one thing. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize like, I mean, I was just telling you kind of what happens behind the scenes, but, you know, like my camera wasn't working and then the the label, the record label was texting me, but they were texting me on the phone that I was zooming on. So they were like, can you turn on your camera? And I'm, I'm like, you have to turn the camera on, you know? So there was a lot of things that I think helped warm up, uh, Toby Keith to yeah. me, um, and I, and I, so I felt like I should go for it at the end. And, you know, I think he really got candid, you know, and I even thought, I thought it was crazy. Yeah. He was like joking about the car seat in the back of the car saying, you know, that's how you get laid. <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? But it was, it was very surreal, man. I was, I was really talking to him as a fan, you know, the, the, the last question I think was the one that really tied it all together where you asked him if he was afraid when he first got diagnosed and, um, and how honest he was about being scared. And then kind of really not just, I mean, I, I mean, of course someone's going to be scared, but he really explained why with his son's fiance asking to walk him down the aisle and he wasn't sure if he would make it. And like it, it even against like all the other sort of i don't want to call it chest pounding but he feels very strongly that he's going to live his life and not be sort of known as someone who just had cancer and he's going to go forward but he he was willing to admit that yeah that was not only a scary day but then coming to the acms he was he was had he was really weak that day yeah um uh, and I also are you talking about the the Pe- the people's choice award deal that's right people's choice awards not acms yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I probably reason I didn't ask the, that question earlier is cause I was probably like scared to, but I, I, it was the end. So I was like, F it. I'm just going to jump in and, and do that. But it is interesting to hear a guy that has so many accolades, you know, still getting nervous and but it was for because he was weak. But, you know, he was coming back out after everyone, everyone, all eyes were on him. Not that they aren't always, but when he came out to play that show, all eyes were on him because nobody had seen him. So to know that, you know, he still gets nerves from that was kind of crazy to hear. Did, were you surprised or, or did you um did you kind of interpret it the same way that he's got more or less a full tour planned for 2024 is that how you heard that i think so that's what it sounded like to me it sounded like uh he was going to do something like that you know but no new music right it didn't sound like he was into making any new music anymore yeah uh maybe an album will fall out i i thought kind of is where he was at but like i didn't get a sense that that was a high priority for him. And he said as much when he was talking about how, you know, when you have kids and grandkids and you don't have to worry about the bottom line anymore, you're just not as hungry for it. I believe that was exactly what he said, um, which is honest and hundred percent understandable, but touring still a high priority for him. Yeah. And then when he was talking about how he played like for three hours or something recently, yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, maybe he is, maybe he is getting ready to, to, to go out there and do it and you know I don't know if it would be necessarily like a final tour do you think no I don't think so just based on how he's talking about like always going forward and showing that he can beat this and he's still strong like I don't think he'll put the word final on it 
uh, anytime soon. Like, you know, he's only 60s, low 60s. So like he easily could tour for another uh, 10 years, maybe change the types of venues he plays, I guess, over the next 10 years. But if he beats cancer and is able to get back to full health, there's no reason to believe that he can't get back out on the road uh, regularly. I don't know. He kind of, I mean, I don't know. Did he lose his hunger? I don't know. He, I, you know what I'm saying? I I don't know if it, if it, if he really wants to, I, it's weird to think about, but like, I just put everything in baseball terms. Yeah. Like you, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to think that Ken Griffey Jr. You know, was ready, was going to retire when he's so good. I don't know. I'm not making any sense, but it's hard to fathom that he would retire being that he's such an icon, but maybe he just doesn't care anymore. You know, when you have kids and grandkids yeah. and you start caring about other things, like, he, I don't know. I feel like he's hes the kind of guy, if anybody, that's got an attitude of, so I don't want to do it anymore. But I don't know. We'll see. I, that's just my prediction. You know I what I could, I could see him doing musically if he doesn't release new albums is, is kind of doing like what Willie Nelson does i mean willie nelson releases a ton of albums and toby used to as well but willie nelson a lot of his albums are sort of more themed records like he'll put out a bluegrass record he's done several frank sinatra song tributes like i could see toby paying tribute to great songwriters or maybe doing an album of merle haggard covers because merle haggard's such a big influence on him just something like Like, off the whim that he's like tells his label like hey this is what i want to do well he is his label oh yeah so like he doesn't have to, t- you know, he just kind of, like Willie, he can kind of just go in there and, and make music how he wants to. He probably has his own studio, so there's not a lot of cost in terms of renting out a studio or anything like that. And then, you know, it sells what it sells and just kind of scratches that itch for him. I, c- I could very easily see him churning out records like that over the next 20 years. I'm in. I'd also like to see a duet with him and his daughter. That would be sweet. So he referred to the one they did... Um, on the CMA stage, and the song they did was Mockingbird. You know, the classic song, um, Buy You a Mockingbird? Yeah. That was the song they performed, and he also released that song to radio at the time. It wasn't a very big radio hit. I I, I think if you ask a lot of people, it was amongst his their least favorite um, moments from, from his catalog. But, um, but yeah, they, they brought him out together on the CMA stage, and she was only like 17 years old. I remember I, I just started my radio career. I was only a couple years in at that time, and I was like, oh, there's Toby Keith's daughter. She's just a couple years younger than me. Kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> you missed your shot on that one, man. <laughs> you, you know who, who Toby reminds me of a little bit? And uh, ha- have you talked to or spent much time with Eric Church? Not really, no. I remember you did a phone interview with him. Is that the kind of the extent of it? Yeah, I think one or two phoners. I don't think I've ever met him. Well, I, Toby's persona is so intimidating. Yeah. And you kind of get wrapped up in that. But like Eric Church, when you actually meet him, like you realize that he's pretty generous with his time. He engages with the interview. He can be a little bit silly. Um, he's not going to bullshit you. Like there's nothing... 
scary about Toby Keith. I figured this out once because I, I was invited to um, do a, a, a festival interview with him once, but I had to come to his bus. But once I got there, I was nervous as hell, but he poured me like a Jack of Coke. And I hadn't drank in like two years, but I, you know, when Toby Keith offers you a Jack and Coke, I, I guess you take that. Uh, <laughs> but he, he couldn't have been more generous with his time and his answers in that moment, yeah, like he was here. That is really cool. Yeah, I... I... I I did not I don't know I don't want to say I didn't expect it but I I mean I didn't think that I mean he was very generous nobody gave me the wrap it up like you know you yeah. I you know I interviewed you know lower artists on the totem pole and get the wrap it up you know they were just like here's time with this icon and and he wasn't just one wording it you know he really was getting in there and that yeah, I was like I mentioned in the interview. I was really appreciative that I mean, a guy like that just doesn't have to do that. Right, right. That's the that's the whole thing there. So I think you know we might get another opportunity if if he does release some new music or a tour. You know, he might come back around. Um, especially if uh, if he remembers you and your in your car seat, you might have a follow up on if that car seat got you late or not. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to handle that one, but go, good luck with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's my name. Yeah. <laughs> Just hold up your new baby. Yep. It worked, Toby. You were right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got a wife and a couple of kids. Like, what am I doing? Like, what? I didn't even know if I should laugh or not. Like, I was just like, so... I I don't know either. <laughs> oh, so I didn't know what to do. That's so funny. Uh, Man, we appreciate you listening to Taste of Country Nights on demand. If you can hit that like, subscribe, give us a review, a comment, pass the word along. It all helps us out here at the Town Square Media Podcast Network.